Welcome to the Relational Recovery Podcast. I'm your host, Wes Thompson, joined by my co-host, Austin Hill. Today, we're talking about self-control and the need for self-awareness. So we hope this conversation is helpful. Thanks for listening. What's up, man? Hey, Wes. Good to see you. Likewise. How are you doing today? Doing good. I've had a lot of, a handful of, of good conversations. So that's good. It's awesome. good practicing saying the difficult things to people. Yeah, absolutely. Well, um, today I wanted to talk a little bit about, um, I think we'll probably, I don't know, meander around several topics, but it seems like self-control is a theme um, that's coming up today. I was reflecting on a couple of quotes from this ex-Navy SEAL guy named Jocko Willink. I'm sure some people listening might be familiar with who he is, but I really like a lot of his stuff. And um, I was chewing on a couple of things that he said. And so I thought it might be a good launching point for me to just read those. And then maybe we can kind of riff on that. Okay. Because even from our context, right, we talk a lot about our faith um, as you and I are both Christians. Um, the Bible has a lot to say about self-control and not, I think oftentimes like we think about self-control, we go a lot of different directions, but I think that how I want to frame it up is if we want to get where we want to go, I think we have to be disciplined to some degree. I think we have to be disciplined mm. in big degree, in big degrees, I guess, you know, yeah. I think ultimately God wants us to flourish. I believe that. But in order to in order to flourish, there's a particular kind of way we have to live our lives. Like we we can't do anything we want and it end well for us. Um, and that's true for anybody. And so I think that self control comes down to like doing the things that are ultimately going to bring about um, good good things in our lives. And that that takes intentionality and it takes uh, focus and it takes you know we have to write those things down. We've got to. I think a lot of us don't even know what we want, really. We might have a vague sense of what we want, but a part of self-control is even knowing what we want. I was, you know, before I read these quotes by Jocko, I was, I forget, I came across a quote by, and I know some people will like him and some people won't, but I I don't care. But um, I I came across a really good quote by Jordan Peterson recently, Mm -hmm. where he essentially said something to the degree that like, we can't exude self-control unless we are self-aware. And I really, I was chewing on that and how I interpreted what he was saying was like, which I agree with at least how I interpreted it. It's like, I can't, I can't be really self-controlled if I don't really know who I am and what it is that I want and what it is that I struggle with. Like self-awareness has to do with knowing my vulnerabilities, knowing my struggles, knowing how other people perceive me. And if I have a really, really low sense of self-awareness, it's going to be hard to be self-controlled. The two kind of go hand in hand. And so I think self-awareness is another topic that might come up a little bit today. But it's interesting. I hadn't really thought about it that way until I read that. I think it was like a tweet or something by him that someone sent me that I thought was really good. But how about I just read these quotes by Jocko and even that comment from Peterson and you can, we can kind of riff on that. Um, that sounds good. There's also a biblical text, you know, I'll start with that, you know, in, in Titus one eight, um, 
leaders were called to be hospitable, um, loving what is good, people that are self-controlled, upright, holy, and disciplined. So you can see even, I mean, right there in the New Testament, in the early church, they were striving to be self-controlled. They were striving to focus on what is good. And there's a sense in there of, of awareness, awareness of the people around you, awareness of ultimately the message that Jesus called his people to. Um, so there's a, there's a piece of self-awareness there. There's obviously a call to self-control as well. Jocko, who again was this ex-Navy SEAL, intense guy. I really like these quotes though. He says, most of us aren't defeated in one decisive battle. We're defeated one tiny, seemingly insignificant surrender at a time that chips away at who we should really be. I'm going to read that again. Most of us aren't defeated in one decisive battle. We're defeated one tiny, seemingly insignificant surrender at a time that chips away at who we should really be. Really like that. The second thing he said that I thought was interesting was he said, one of the key qualities of a leader, and again, I think all of us listening, anyone that walks the face of this earth is a leader to someone. So I don't want anyone to hear the word leader and think that's not them. But he says, one of the key qualities of a leader must um, is a person who must possess is the ability to detach from the chaos, the mayhem, and the emotions in a situation and make good, clear decisions based on what is actually happening. Again, one of the key qualities of a leader, or one of the key qualities a leader must possess is the ability to detach from the chaos, mayhem, and emotions in a situation and make good, clear decisions based on what is actually happening. You know, I, th- I think um, there's so many, there's so many um, themes that kind of come up for me in those two quotes. Well, I, I've, I think I've quoted like four things at this point. Um, so in all of these things, the biblical text in Titus, the two comments from Jocko, the one comment from Peterson, before I just keep rambling here, Austin, what, does all of that, I don't know, does that stir up anything um, in you? Yeah, I think what stands out the most to me where I'm seeing consistencies between all of those is we, it, we are actually in, in control of a lot less than we think we are. But what we need to control, that self-control part, is the most important thing for us to focus on when it comes to how we respond. Like the, that, the first quote by Jocko, it's like, it is their tiny, seemingly insignificant surrenders. Surrender is a choice that you make. It's not something outside of your control. Then there's the being able to choosing, choosing to detach from a situation, from the chaos that's outside of your control. So you can make the choices that need to be made. Man, that's the discipline. Good. Yeah, the di- discipline that's required. I think the disciplines that separate people who are enjoying life or growing, enjoying or growing in life, are the ones when they are dis- they you are disciplined enough to do the small things daily, not just one big burst once. It's like how if I can do this one small thing every day, 
so much, so often that just becomes a part of my life. That is what's going to separate us into the, the category of people who is like, I am enjoying my life because I am self-controlled enough because I have these disciplines to know what's going on around me. Um, but not only, like, I think we do get, we do talk about a lot about being self-aware, but that is just an internally focused thing that we need to do. So we can then be self-controlled enough to help change the world around us in our behaviors that we exhibit and show others. So that's what comes up. First thing, first couple of things that come to mind for me. Yeah, I'm just taking some notes here. I just, there's so many different directions we could go. I really like, I really like what you said about um, just, it's so simple, but it's not easy is instead of focusing on all the decisions and things that other people are making, really that stepping back from the mayhem a lot of times, which I agree with you, has a lot to do with then kind of recentering on what can I actually do about everything going on? Yeah. Mm-hmm. That, and that's a, that's a question that we really should focus on and clarify because people think like, well, what can I do? Well, I'll do this so that person does that. You can't control what other people do. So really, right. it's a lot clearer. And actually, it's a very short list of what the things we can do and what we can't control. Sorry. Yeah, I, I cut you off. You were about to say something. No, no, no. This is, this is good. Um, you know, I'm just reminded, right, of all the work that you and I have done with um, the Built to Lead framework, which one of the Built to Lead kind of core principles is to aim to be core-centered and self-controlling. Um, it's interesting that I hadn't even thought about that coming into this, you know, but that, that whole idea of being core centered and self-controlling because all of us come into the world self-centered and others controlling. And that, that's what you're alluding to here. I think is the, the tendency for all of us, the default, the temptation, if you want to go that route is to be self-centered and others controlling. But just like you said, Austin, like that leads to so much anxiety because we can't control others. And when, when we're trying to, it, it just begets anger and confusion and frustration. And then we end up doing silly things because we're frustrated we can't control others when we shouldn't have been trying to do that in the first place. And yeah. then we go on blaming others. Ah, oh, they did that, so I did this. It's like that's not how the world works. It's not. You can con- we we can, you know, I I I feel like this is empowering personally. It's like yes, it's true that I can't control many things in life, but I can control the choices that I make. And oftentimes I think what we do when we get unhealthy is is we try to control everything we can't and we forget about the things that we actually can control. Mm -hmm. Because it would be incredibly frustrating if I'm trying to create this life that I want to enjoy, but I am putting the, what I say I enjoy that enjoyment of life on other people's choices. But that'd be really frustrating. It's like, why don't other people do what I want them to do? And that's the basis of my happiness or my goals in life is what other people do. I mean, that's weird. That's exhausting. No wonder, like, no wonder people get frustrated. 
it's kind of set up for dissatisfaction, you know, if we try to live that way, which we all have. I mean, I'm sure you have. I know I have. Yeah. And it abdicates, like it takes, it says, I don't want to be responsible. In reality, it's saying, I don't want to be responsible for my unhappiness. I don't want to be responsible for my choice, for the way my life looks. Now that this is, there's things that are outside of people's control that affect how they live, like a natural disaster. No one had to control it and it affects their life, but you can control how you respond to those things yeah. that are outside of your control. You can control how you respond to it. Yes. That doesn't like, and I think what I just want to make that very clear that we're not saying that everything will be perfect in your life. If you identify the things that you can control and focus on those, it, your life will be a lot more bearable and a lot more fulfilling. It'll still be hard and painful. You can't change mm-hmm. those things. If someone's goal in life is to have, I want a painless, conflict-free, um, always happy, nothing goes wrong life, you're going to be disappointed because that's not how the world works. It's not how the world works. But I really like how, like, my the, one of the guys that coaches me or mentors me, is his name's Andrew, and when I'm complaining or when I'm frustrated with things going on in my life, um, it used to really frustrate me, but now I really like this turn, but I'll often be saying things like, Oh man, I can't believe they did that. Or I can't believe this happened or whatever. And he'll listen. And, but when I'm done complaining, the question he'll almost always ask me is, what do you want to do about it? What do you want to do about it? So he's, he's framing the context of my situation in terms of, what are you going to do about this situation? Not, oh man, yeah, that's ter- they're terrible. Oh man, geez, look at what they did. Oh man, I can't believe. He's just like, what are you going to do about it? Because that's all we can actually do. That's all we can actually do. That's all we can actually do. Hmm. That should be free. Like I'm saying that mainly to myself, like if any conflict that happens, like with my, the people that mean the most to me, this is where it's the most difficult, I think, especially if we're out of practice of it. Conflict with like my wife or my kids or with the, with my really good friends or my coworkers. Like if I lose sight of that, like, what do I want to do about this? That's a very simple Mm -hmm. question. So what do I need to do? Well, I can just hear some people listening and they might be like, well, I do that. But then I realize I can't do anything about the thing. I, I, I can't do anything about the thing I want. And it's like, I can again hear Andrew. It's like, if I was like, well, I want to do this, but I, I can't do anything about it. He'd be like, okay, well then stop focusing on that. If you can't do anything about it, what's something, what do you want to do about this? What can you do? What's something you can do something about? Because again, the more energy that I focus on things I can't do anything about, doesn't do me any good (laughs) and it doesn't do others any good yeah so if you're listening and you're like well man i can't do anything about x it's like okay we'll stop worrying about x then and focus on something that you can do something about Mm -hmm. yeah because think about it literally it's it starts to sound insane but it's like if i spend a lot of energy on something i can do nothing about Mm -hmm. what good can come from that yeah. Other than just being exhausted. Other than just being exhausted, which I don't know about anybody listening, but I don't want to do things that just exhaust me without any benefit. Mm-hmm. Especially if it's, there's no benefit you acknowledge. Yeah. 
But if there's no benefit, if there's no nothing good's going to come from it, there's nothing I can do about it. Um, we're causing ourselves suffering in that in that in that situation. Mm. Yeah. So can I make an example? So let's say we have a relationship with somebody, and it's just really unhealthy, and it's not working. And they res- every single time you, after the conversation with them, you're just exhausted. You feel like you're going crazy. Um, you can't control what they do, but it's, but I'm going to keep going back and doing the same thing. I'm going to keep putting myself in a situation where I'm exhausted. I feel crazy every time being manipulated or lied to uh, by that person. And I'm just putting effort into this. It's kind of like me. It's like, I'm going to go hit my head against the window or a wall, a brick wall again. And I get a headache every single time I do it, man. I wish there was something I could do about this headache because every time I hit my head against the wall, I get a headache. I don't know. Maybe you could stop hitting your head against the wall. You could stop doing that. <laughs> yes. Yeah, stop. So like in that relationship, if you put a boundary up or like, we're not talking about this topic or like, I need you to respect me. Then that's it that, that you can control it. Cause if they don't, then it's your choice. Like, well, it looks like we're not talking anymore. Exactly. And that's something you can control. Mm-hmm. And that's so good. There's a lot of different things here, but like another thing that stands out to me is um, in Jocko's quote, one of the key qualities a leader must possess is the ability to detach from the chaos, mayhem, and emotions in a situation and make good, clear decisions based on what is actually happening. I think the end of that quote, what is actually happening, stands out to me too, because we're, when we're in the middle of um, conflict, whether it's with people or whether it's with a thing that we're working on, oftentimes when our emotions get stirred up, we don't think or see clearly. And I think it's important. Um, And when we don't see clearly, we often don't make good choices. And so I think when it comes to self-control, we need to remember that when we're stirred up, when there's conflict, we need to be intentional about stepping away for a minute and making sure that we're seeing what is actually happening. Like often you and I, Austin, when we're making decisions, the question we'll always ask is like, what's the problem we're actually trying to solve here? And I think that that's, that's a clarity question. And I think that that's a good kind of thing to think about in this context. It's like when I'm stirred up, when I'm in conflict, when I'm frustrated, I've got to be able to step back and be like, what is actually happening here? Because I might be, I might be operating or like reacting to something that's not even really happening. But but because I'm stirred up and because I'm reactive and maybe because something's happened before and I think it's happening again, I've got to make sure that what I'm looking at is actually I just need to make sure that I understand exactly what's going on in front of me. And that requires me to slow down and pay attention. Mm. Yeah. In recovery, Oftentimes we become very reactive. We become very fast. We make choices. Um, and all of a sudden we're in a ditch and we're like, how in the world did I get here? We didn't slow down enough to really figure out what was going on. And so I like the aspect of that quote that kind of, that kind of encourages us to when we're in that, when we're in that chaotic feeling. We need to slow down and we need to take inventory of what is actually going on here. Yeah. Mm. And it, it also brings up 
like when you hear, I know that when I first started hearing, like, I need to slow down, we're not talking about like, an, like a crazy amount of time, especially if you're having a conversation with somebody. It's like, it can just be a couple of just short seconds of thinking through it or just saying like, I, like if you're having a, a discussion with someone, if you're wanting to make a decision, that's a big deal. Like, I think if you say, I just need a second to think on it, or can we come back to it in 30 minutes? Like, like what is going to happen? If you say, I need 30 minutes to think about it just for a second. Um, uh, like there's, it, this is, we're not talking about slowing down and taking weeks or days to make decisions. We're talking about just like, just give yourself a second and put like detach yourself. And a good way to detach yourself from a situation is put somebody you care about in your situation. What advice would you give them? That's a good mm -hmm. attachment trick. If I care about somebody and they're in this situation, what advice would I give them? Most of us are pretty good at giving advice. And we're able to sit like that's that that is that's just a good way to do it, and you can do that fairly quickly. And the more often you do it, the bet the, the quicker you can make those decisions because you're separating yourself. Is what detachment does. It separates us from the thing that triggers or stimulates a response, and it gives us space in between what the stimulant and the and the response. We just have to give as much as much space as we can between those two things. Instead of trying to, because what we, when we try to self-control, when we try to control other people, we put our react, our response before the stimulant. Or, or does that make sense? So it's, it's, we're reversing. We're saying like, well, I don't want this person to do that. So I'm going to do this. But you don't know if they're going to do that. So, and if you're like, well, I know they're going to, then you can have a preloaded response. So you don't have to think about it as much. Yeah. That's good. I'm glad you paused us there because, yeah, I mean, I think just really quick, some ways that you can step away because somebody listening, you're right, Austin, they may be like, what does that look like? I think for me, my, one of my biggest vulnerabilities is patience. I'm really, I struggle with being patient. I'm an impatient person most of the time. It's one of the, <laughs> it's one of the qualities I've, I've always tried to work on and I think I've grown in it, but I'm not, I'm still many days very very, um, I struggle with patience. And so some of the things that I have to do to step away is, um, is write. Writing's really helped, which is something that in the last couple of years have really grown in that discipline. Like, so for example, if you feel chaotic inside, um, oftentimes we don't know exactly why we feel that way. It, it, or it's very just, Hey, they said this, or they did that, or I, I want to do this, or I want that. But oftentimes it's more complicated than that. And so to write out the story that you're telling yourself, to write out the thoughts that are going on in your mind, just to write it out as detailed as you can not, and not overthink it, but whatever thoughts come to mind, just write it out and then to reread what you wrote. And, and that can be very clarifying and helpful. And it can also calm you down. Sometimes I have to just go on a walk when I'm really stirred up because my impatience can very easily turn into anger and frustration. And so I, I've got to calm, I've literally got to calm my body down. And one of the ways I do that is just going on a walk. Um, I'll do yoga sometimes that really calms my body down because where I feel my anxiety and stress or just like, I'm going to react quickly and I'm not going to be self-controlled. It's, it's very bodily. I can feel it in my body. And then that impacts my mind. And so I've got to find me personally, I have to find a way to slow my body down. 
So slowing down enough to write it out, right? Slowing down enough to go on a quick walk, slowing down enough to, to do some yoga, which is usually more of an evening. If I'm stressed out in the evening, I might do some yoga. I might put on the Calm app, which I have a subscription to, and do like a 10-minute meditation. Again, these are things that slow. Again, like you said, Austin, it's not super long, but it just slows down my body. Because when I am in a chaotic mode, I just want to respond really quick. Because again, impatience and anger are my two biggest enemies personally yeah mm-hmm. so it's like i gotta find a way to slow myself down yeah and it's also finding the appropriate timing for those things because what you listed those are all really good things but those are practices that we do in anticipation for conflict because we have to have those things in place whereas if you're in the middle of a conflict with somebody face to face you it's usually not going to go well if you're like man I, like if you're if you're on a job site and your boss you and your boss are having conflict. It you really usually can't be like I need to go on a walk. I'm mm. at work. Like, your boss isn't going to be like, sure, take a ten minute break. Cool. You know, I'm really upset at you, but yeah, you can go take a walk. And like, that's that's probably not really going to happen. Like your boss wouldn't respond well to that. Um, so what these are for is for in those moments of conflict, you're able to have like you're able to recall those things or bring those things up or like. Like this is what is you're able to clearly state what it is that's bothering you instead of pulling from all these things that are not in your control. And it's constantly reminding yourself, what is it that I can control? It's my response, my response alone. What is the best way? If someone was in the situation that I cared for, what advice would I give them? What, what, what would I think they would say? What should I say? It's going all the way back to that. What do I want to do about this? Not what do I think they're going to do? What does my friends think? What do my parents think? What do my kids think of this? As my, it's what do I want to do about this? Yeah. So in the moment, you're absolutely right. I mean, in the moment, um, I think we got to try to aim to be quick to listen and slow to speak. Um, but oftentimes, right, we'll leave those interactions and we will feel fire in our stomach or in our chest. And, and that's where I think, what do we do with that? Right. And I think that's where it goes to maybe what we talked about just a minute ago. Like we have to do something to work that out. Yeah. On that one, I feel like there's two roads that people go on when that, when you feel that fire in your gut, like I know that me, mine is to just start talking and just saying things because my apology is often, I shouldn't have said that. Sorry, I shouldn't have said that. That's not what I meant. The other side is when someone feels that fire in their gut to clink, shut down, steel trap, nothing's getting out. Yep. Yep. And neither are, are helpful. I don't, I can't remember, like, I, I am realizing more um, that I had a tendency of just not saying things because, because of my exaggerated talking on, in some situations, I just wouldn't say, the important things. I would just say all the frivolous surface things. I wouldn't say what I was really thinking. But what some people do, and what I'm very guilty of this too, is when there are moments of truth, when I just need to say what is true, I don't say it. So what we're saying in those conflicts, in those moments, you need to have the clarity to say, this is what's bothering not all the things from the past or like it's not shutting down and push pressing it down further and further because that's not going to help the same way as 
exploding at somebody isn't going to help either. So what the practice of saying what needs to be said with truth and kindness in those moments, it lets you say it more often so you're not pushing things down and then you're also not exploding. So it's the consistency of that. That's what's going to separate you because people are like, he says what he thinks with kindness. Because we, I know, like, I, there's, there's guys here in this who are like, well, I say the truth. It's like, yeah, but if you're saying the truth all the time and you're just never holding it in or processing it or thinking, like, how is this going to sound? Like, I want to be true to what I'm saying, but I also don't want to be uh, harmful or intentionally dramatic or stirring the pot. Like, there are moments for us to say things. Like, that it, it, and it, and it sounds complicated. Uh, and the fact is, well, I need, there's moments when I should say things and moments when I shouldn't. So what do I do in that? So I would say what needs to be said as, co- as kindly as possible. If you're ever wondering, should I say something? If it, if it can be said kindly and honestly, say it. And I think often like it's a good, like in those moments, it's a good gut check of just like, why do I want to say this? Do I want to say this to help or to harm? Ah, yeah, that's a, that's a really good question to send back to somebody. If somebody says something to you, a really good clarifying question is, is that to help or to hurt? And that kind of slows the conversation down. Yeah. Cause sometimes I think we say things and in our minds are like, I'm just telling the truth. But it feels good to hurt someone. And, you know, I, I don't think that's ever a good thing. <laughs> no, I'll go out on a limb. So. And I know that's a strong statement, but I don't think that's ever a good thing. Like, I think that we should say hard things, but I don't think we should say hard things in an effort to, to harm someone. When we say hard things, it needs to be out of a posture of tr- really trying to help them, wanting what's good for someone. And if we don't want what's good for someone, then we need to shut up. Yeah. Mm-hmm. And if it's, if the truth is going to hurt their feelings, that those oftentimes need to be said. Cause if, if, if I am thinking it's like, well, I, I don't want to say anything that could hurt their feelings. You're just being uh, the wrong kind of empathetic because things need to be said. Yes. It might be good. Just real quick. I know this is, we're getting off topic a little bit. But we, but it's good. We've said this before on the podcast, Austin, but there's a big difference between hurt and harm. Yeah. Uh, yeah. That's a good point. The truth often hurts. Like you just said, like the truth hurts, but the truth doesn't harm. Like, like for, I, I love the example of like the dentist. I hate going to the dentist. Right. But it's like, but going to the dentist, oftentimes, like if I've got a major issue going on, it can hurt, but the dentist is causing that hurt ultimately to help me to fix a problem, right? I never go to the dentist and the dentist harms me. Like he, like I leave worse than I, than I came in. Right. Like if like that dentist needs fired, (laughs) if, if he's just causing harm, the truth does not harm, but the truth can hurt at times, but that hurt should lead to flourishing. The aim of truth hurting is meant to cause healing. But if we're just going in trying to cause harm, we need to stop because that's not helpful. Here, can I give an example? This one's not, this one's funnier. If you see, if you see a guy with his fly down, the truth needs to be said, dude, your fly is down. 
So you can go up to them and whisper and say, your fly's down. Just before. Something's in their teeth. That's a good way to do it. If the same, the same thing is if you see somebody and you're like, dude, is, everyone look, his fly is down. That is not. That's saying the truth, but it's doing it to hurt somebody. Yeah. Yeah. You say it in front of the group and because you want to humiliate them. Like, that's harmful. That's not helpful. Yeah, that's not helpful. Like, if you tell him one-on-one, he might be a little humiliated. That might hurt a little bit, but you're trying to help brother out. Yeah. Yep. So, again, am I, yeah, what I'm saying might hurt. And that, that, that means I need to press into it. But if I, if I find in me that I'm wanting someone, I'm wanting to cause someone harm, like, I, feel, I would feel good if they were humiliated or they were in pain. Like, that. That means there's something in me that needs to be worked through. And I probably do need to be slow to speak until I, I need to work that out in me first before I start trying to work something out in someone else. Yeah. Cause, and that leads, so that, that's the self awareness piece. Because it's really, because if our goal is self control, if you're going to control something, you have to be aware of how it works. Yep. It's really hard to trap something that you don't know what you're looking for. Like, there's the, the how do we, take our, th- our emotions and thoughts captive. Look at it like a trap. If you're trying to trap a bear, you use a very different trap than if you were trying to trap a rabbit. They're both traps, but they're very different. So it's not, what am I trying to control? That's important. That's the self-awareness piece. Yep. And I think self-control, it, it has to do with others, and it also has to do with self one thing I've seen around the refuge a lot, Austin, is it's like people will white knuckle self-control with others, but then they'll go blow up personally, quietly, when no one's looking. And, um, you know, th- there's, there's an awareness piece when you're with others, but everything we're saying applies to individually as well. Like, am I not telling myself the truth? personally to myself am i not doing the disciplines required um like that that's where that slowing down can be really helpful um because again yeah like you you brought up it's going to be hard to do when we're with other people like won't work or something but when you're alone when no one's watching when no one's looking i think that's when we really have to press into some of those other disciplines of like you know slowing down so that might be if you like to read that might be like meditative scripture reading if you like to pray that might be meditative prayer. If you enjoy quiet, it might be just sitting in quiet for a bit. If you're really extroverted, which I'm in the middle, um, like you might need to just go on a walk. You might need to do like something active like yoga or, or, um, you know, writing, like writing out your thoughts. Um, but I think those are important when it comes to not, you know, oftentimes, People, you know, will take all that negative energy that we tried to be self-controlled with other people, and then we'll just let go when we're by ourselves. Um, and ultimately, that only hurt that only hurts us and others in the end. You know, um, yeah, because yeah, that what that looks like letting like letting go or like uh, being out of control with yourself. So here's a very personal example, like this weekend. Uh, I misplaced something for like 15 minutes. I had no idea where it was looking for it. I just would get so, and I, I can, I felt it in my chest getting angry and angrier at myself. 
like if I don't find this, then this happens and this happens and this happens. And my, my wife was trying to help me. She's just like, this isn't a big deal. We can find this. She's like, it'll be fine. And I just got angrier and angrier at myself. And I didn't disassociate from it because I was like, this is like, this isn't typical. I'm making it worse. This is just going to get like, I, I was out of control. And then when I found it, it was just kind of that re that like relief. And after the relief, it was just kind of like, why did I do that? It was, it wasn't connected to the fact that I lost something. It was because I was, I got, I became afraid of what would happen tomorrow or the next day and how people would see, see me, or I wouldn't be able to do the things that I said I was going to do. And I'd let people down or disappoint them when if i were just to explain it's like hey i can't do that because i lost something or like i would like we're gonna have to meet have a meeting a different place because i can't use my laptop because the charger's gone or i can't talk on the phone because my my air i lost my ear my headphones like who's really gonna freak out about that just me so like i'm trying to control other people in that moment and I, that's that is so think i realize that I was trying to control other people's emotions and that's why I was getting angry because you can't control other people's emotions and that makes you feel powerless and no one wants to be powerless. So all about losing something. So I think the aim here again is, you know, self-control requires self-awareness and all of that requires intentionally slowing down. And I think we've, we've, We've said several things around this topic that hopefully are helpful, but is there anything else you want to add before we, uh, before we land the plane here? It's not selfish to do this work. Um, it's not selfish to um, practice these things. I think people are, people are going to hear this and kind of go like, I guess, respond there's two different ways that you can respond. It's just kind of, well, I need to alter everything about my life so I can do it better at this. I need to make a giant step and do these major different things today. And then I'll, it'll, it'll help. Or it's like, that's just out of, like, I don't care. Or like, if that's too much. I'm not going to try. Um, and I think what I hope people hear is like, these are small things that we can do. And if, if you're hearing these things, just pick one and practice that for the rest the next 30 days just practice that not practice i didn't say do it perfectly i said practice it intentionally practice it and it's small and that's that is going to have a benefit thanks for listening to this episode of the relational recovery podcast we'll be back soon with a new conversation we'll see you then